page. The author on the right side, Ira Sankey, is the author of Tune. Ira Sankey was an answer to Dwight Moody's prayers for eight years for a song leader to travel with him full time. And he met he met Ira Sankey at a YMCA international meeting in Pennsylvania and went up to him after he heard him lead singing and he said, are you married? Where do you live? What do you do? And he wanted to know if he would travel with him and he urged him to do it. And Mr. Sankey, to help you understand, get a feeling for who it is that wrote the tune of this good song, he was a little bit younger than Moody. Moody was 37, I think, when they met. And he was already, Sankey was already balding. Unique growth of facial hair. It wasn't quite a beard, or it was sort of a beard, but it grew up into, along his cheeks, into his mutton chops. And then it flared out on the sides, and people said that it looked like wings growing out of his face. But God used him anyway. <laughs> so with that, very pleasant picture of mine. <laughs> 262. Trusting Jesus.
All right, John 17, verse number 17. Continuing a theme on Wednesdays about the Word of God is sufficient. Tonight, the Word of God is sufficient in regards to medicine and science. Some biblical statements about these two subjects and other things. And some things to, to remind us about these things that are strengthening your faith. And we should be always reminding ourselves that the Bible is not just any old man-made book, some old book, interesting book, majestic book, poetic book, nice stories. It should be a book to remind us that it is a divine book. And we know that because of the things that it says. And so Jesus said as he prayed to his father, thy word is truth. And so because the Bible is true, and because 2 Peter 1 talks about all things that pertain to life, the Bible talks about these things. It's a book about theology. It's a book about spiritual things. It's a book about practical things, all things that pertain to life. So the book, the Bible, has a lot of things that it addresses, spiritual things and practical things, material things. And so tonight, tonight, I want you to think about this. Because the Bible addresses spiritual things and practical things, it must mean that throughout history, man's history, and throughout the Bible, it must say some things. It must have statements about practical life. So, for example, uh, I want to talk about, the Bible talks about science. The Bible talks about medicine. At the same time, some considerations to prepare us for what will be taught tonight. Now, first of all, some considerations. Science and education. Science and education. The Bible does not really condemn science and education, but it condemns false science and wrong education. Having told you that, I want you to know that in the church, we say we believe the Bible, but outside of the church, a lot of people don't. And a lot of people do not think that the Bible is the Word of God and it is all things that pertain to life. We believe that it is, and so from the outside, from the secular world, does the Bible talk about practical things and things that affect everyday life? The answer is yes, and so I'll give you some things to think about, but as we think about that, first of all, considerations. Number one, science and education, it is not condemned by God, but it can be detrimental to our faith. In other words, not all education is bad, not all science is bad. If it is true science, if education is simply to teach you how to read, teach you how to write, and teach you how to count. The three R's, remember the three R's long time ago? Old throwback days? Reading, writing, arithmetic. Huh? And so if people learn that, that's a good education because you need to learn how to read. You need to learn how to write, communicate. You need to learn how to add. And so those are basic things in life. So that's education. And it is not wrong, but the Bible does speak very negatively about science falsely so-called 1 Timothy 6.20. And so non-scientific non belief, that kind of a system taught as scientific truth or so-called science that deliberately attacks what the Bible says about issues that relate to science. And so there is criticism from the Bible's viewpoint about wrong science and wrong education. But... The Bible is not against education. Remember this. There is no reason for anyone to think that the Bible is against education. As a matter of fact, uh, the Bible is not against many things that are, many things that you have to learn. Um, the Bible does not reject trade skills, true science, education. Remember, Jesus was raised in a home of a man who had a trade skill. And Jesus himself learned as a young boy into adulthood, learned how to be a carpenter. He learned how to use skills. The Bible does not condemn having trade skills or being disciplined in some of the sciences. Uh, the disciples were skilled in a trade. They were called fishermen. And then one of the disciples, remember, was a tax collector. He must have been real sharp with math and numbers. So we see that there's no condemnation about these things in general. And uh, Thomas, of course, criticized a lot for being a skeptical man, but Thomas probably was a thinker. He was one who used reason and used logic and compared things in his head, and so he was really a man, it seemed like, to have been checking things out. Nothing wrong with that. 
Now, uh, number one, so number one, some considerations. Science and education uh, can be detrimental to faith, but it's not always evil. Number two, genuine science and medicine is good. Genuine science, genuine medicine is good. Genuine education is good. For example, Luke was a, he was called the beloved physician. He was a medical man, not a medicine man, but a medical man. And he knew about healing the body through medicine. Uh, by the way, did you know that the number one ranked school for medicine in the United States is? The number one school, according to US News and World Report, is the Harvard Medical School, ranked number one in the world, or at least in the US. Um, John Hop Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore, number three, and number eight, ranked number eight, Stanford University. I think this should be number one, <laughs> according to US News and World Report. Uh, you need to have training in these sciences and medicine, uh, dental school, trade school. By the way, do you know that the number one trade school is the Illinois Institute of Technology in Chicago for robotics and computer science. Now you say, well, that's not spiritual. Of course it's not. And the Bible does not condemn people using their God-given brain to figure things out. I was talking to a man. He is a surgeon from California. He was here for a wedding. And uh, along with the wedding party was other people, relatives and uh, nieces and nephews and aunts and so on. Another person in the wedding party was also a doctor from California, from the Bay Area. Both of them, one of them actually, works at Stanford University. She is a surgeon, not a pediatric surgeon, but she's a surgeon. And the other doctor, the other surgeon, lives up uh, north near Sacramento, and they both were surgeons. We're talking about David's surgery at Stanford, and they were so interested in what I was telling them about because they understood how complicated and how how unique and how special and how well-trained Stanford is and how they take care of the pediatric uh, department, the surgeons. And they were so impressed, especially the one who works at Stanford. And so you gotta have people like that trained in the sciences and medicine. You cannot say, uh, they're not biblical, they're not Christian, therefore, no, 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 that's going too extreme. And so a car mechanic, do you know that to get a certification, ASE, Automotive Service Excellence, that little, Logo, to get certified, you must go through two years of on-the-job training or get a one year of training or get an associate's degree in automotive repair to meet the qualifications for ASE certification. A bachelor's program, which includes 70% practical training. That's just to get a mechanics, auto mechanics certificate that says on your, on your door that you have this certificate, this diploma. In other words, you gotta be trained in some of these things. The Bible does not uh, condemn and it's not against these kind of things. Whoever thinks that they, these things are anti-biblical because they're not spiritual, that kind of a person really has got to come to the middle and think in a different way instead of being so extreme. Uh, so now when education tries to recruit people away from the Christian faith, now that's a problem. Now there's condemnation, now you fight back. But normally, uh, these things are good. There's no condemnation about that. Number three, the Bible doesn't teach you the rudiments of these fields. So God doesn't condemn some of these disciplines and some of these areas of study, medicine and auto mechanics, trades. But at the same time, the Bible does not teach you how to do the rudiments of these skills. In other words, if you were to change oil in the car, the Bible doesn't have to do that. If you were to try to find a chapter and verse, you won't find one. How to do heart surgery, how to do a medical procedure, how to build a house. Specifically, there are no instructions about that from the Bible. How then does that compare to, how does that relate to that God has given us all things to pertain to life when it doesn't talk about some of these things? Okay, well, it goes a little deeper than that. Though the Bible does not give you the rudiments of how to do a certain thing, auto mechanics, medicine, carpentry, plumbing, other things, building a piano, repairing one, 
all these things that are important to do and must be done by skilled people, the Bible doesn't give you the specifics, but it gives you principles about how you should perform your duty or do your work. So there are principles that governs how you do certain of these kinds of trades and how to do and be a good doctor and how to be a good uh, skilled person of anything. I hope you understand what I'm trying to explain to you. And so, uh, for example, the Bible gives us principles. Number five, he gives us principles. God does, the Bible does. For example, come to Matthew chapter seven. Here's an example about God giving principles about construction about building there is a deeper lesson but there is a principle involved in Matthew chapter 7 and come to verse number 24 you know the parable therefore verse 24 whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them I will liken him unto a wise man, not a wise guy. We don't like wise guys. A wise guy is someone who's just trying to say something smart all the time. You want to just go, eh. But uh, liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Now, what do you call this person who built his house? Now, this person who built this house is someone who is a homeowner who is building something on his own property. He's building his house. We can apply that to say someone who is a contractor who is building a house or building a structure. Well, how do you build a structure? It doesn't tell you here, but look at the principle. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. What does that rock represent? What does that rock talk about? What is it all about? Building a house upon a rock. What is it called? Another word for rock would be a solid foundation. So when you're going to build a house, there's no detail here about blueprints. But one major factor is build your house upon a solid foundation. Keep reading. Verse 25. And the rain descended as rains will come to everyone. And the floods came. Sometimes floods will come to certain neighborhoods and certain states. And the winds blew. Winds blow all the time everywhere. But sometimes more vehemently. And beat upon that house. And just beat upon the house. Oh man. 75 miles per hour and above and it fell not for reason it didn't fall reason the superstructure did not fall is because it was founded upon a rock the foundation was solid it was built with good materials it was built with wisdom and skill in anticipation of the worst case scenario the house did not fall on the other hand look at verse 26 everyone that heareth these sayings of mine same as the saints that he gave in verse 24. Everyone that heareth these saints of mine and doeth them not, ignores it, turns away from it. Uh, what does he know? What does Jesus know about building and construction? He's a preacher. What does he know about practical things like that? Well, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. Nobody who has had education in construction will build a house upon a poor, sifting, unstable foundation. But this guy did. Verse 27, and the rains descended as rains always will come to somebody's home, somebody's neighborhood. And the floods came as it will come sometimes to some places. And the winds blew as it will always blow because we live in a world where there's weather patterns and weather anomalies and the weather things that go on and beat upon that house and it fell and it fell and it fell and the description here is it didn't just fall great was the fall of it you know why the fall is great of this house built upon the sand it looked beautiful it looked beautiful the neighbor said wow look at that how old oh, man it's look at that beautiful seven bedroom home wow that is so beautiful Look at the gables. Look at, oh, this is so nice. But then that was during good weather. As it came up in the summertime, no problems. But then as fall came around, you have because you have weather, you know, as seasonal. And that house fell apart and it was such a great loss. Now, when you build, when the Bible talks about construction, it doesn't give you the details how to do it, but it does tell you the principle. Build on a good foundation, have the right materials, etc. and so on. Now, 
There's a good program that everyone should watch every once in a while just to be in awe of the skills of the trades. And that program is called This Old House. This Old House, we just recently, some of my wife and I just saw, recently uh, the episodes was about building for men and women, mostly men who had gone into combat, Iraq, Afghanistan. They came back, um, IEDs, horrible things done to their, to their limbs, and uh, they rehab, and then they have to move and live into a house. And so now some benevolent soul organization, um, groups they build houses specifically for these servicemen who are now disabled they need wheelchair space they need something where they cannot stand and things and so they built they custom built these houses for them and the programs are about them moving and going through the house it's just beautiful but wait the fact is they show about how they consider a lot of factors to build these homes for these men have lost their limbs and lost the ability to be functioning normally and so there's one room in this particular house I'm not sure the state but it's a, a tornado prone state and the house has a certain room it's a safe room it has steel steel support around this room and it's to come there in case a tornado comes by the whole program this one house in general it's about building on the right foundation using good materials, the best materials possible, having skill, doing things in sequence, not rushing, taking your time, do things properly so that the house will stand when the winds blow and the rains come and the floods come, it'll stand the test. Well, the Bible talks about that in principle, but it doesn't give the details. So, the Bible's a good book, it's the word of God, it's the truth, it pertains to all things in life. So that's what I'm talking about. It does give principles. However, it does also speak specifically about scientific and medical things. Here we are now, time for the Bible study. That was just introduction. It's now time for uh, the Bible study. Oh, let me say one more thing, number five. I don't wanna get ahead of myself. You don't have to accept the Bible to be the truth to be practicing what the Bible says is true. I say again, you don't have to acknowledge that the Bible says these truths, these facts, to practice these things. You can practice doing something the Bible said already without even knowing that it's there. You can be totally ignorant about what the Bible said and do something. And you say, oh, that's in the Bible? Really? No kidding. I didn't know that. But you were doing something that's in the Bible. That is a fact that happens a lot of the times. And so you don't have to say, oh, the Bible says this, so then I'll do it. Sometimes people in history have done something because the Bible said so. And they, they checked it out and they tried it out. Other times, most of the time, people do things without even knowing the Bible spoke about that issue already, thousands and hundreds of years ago. So let's get going. In some of the things that the Bible says, man did not know about it, sometimes they did. And this is to say that the Bible is sufficient for medicine and for science. In other words, you go by the Bible, it'll say some things in principle or a direct statement. Okay, first of all, when it comes to science, Isaiah 40, verse number 20. Take a look at this one. This is not too complicated. Isaiah chapter 40, and verse number 22. These are good verses to try to persuade people who don't believe the Bible, but maybe if they had a little bit of information, they might think about it. They might be more open to it. Oh, I didn't know that. No kidding. Wow. That's interesting. Anymore? And that could be a bridge to leading to verses about salvation. All right, Isaiah 40 and verse number 22. It is he, uh, verse 20, 21. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Hath it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he, it is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. Notice how the pronouns are very specific. He is a reference to God. It's always like that. God is always referred to as male in gender. Of course, God is not a man like we are, corporal, physical. He's a spiritual being, but he's referred always in that gender. It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain, and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. So, verse 22, the circle of the earth, now that word circle has the nice smell or the nice aroma 
Well, the nice hint that the earth is not flat, but it is circular, it is round. The shape of it is spherical, it's rounded, it's arched at least, and uh, it's not just flat, it's not just flat, it's a circle. We say spherical, we say ball. Now, that was said in the book of Isaiah, time-wise, 740 to 680 BC, before Christ. God told that to Isaiah, Isaiah said this, Isaiah did not know this, but Isaiah said this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, who is he? Well, he is God. Does the Holy Spirit know the past, present, and the future? Sure. Does he know all things? Yes. And so, circle of the earth. Isaiah had no capacity to know that the earth is a circle. How could he? Now, in modern times, of course, you get out into the atmosphere, up into space, we see the curvature of the earth. By the way, by the way, this well-known, this well-known uh, Greek philosopher, this well-known Greek philosopher named Aristotle lived after Isaiah by 300 years. And he studied things. He studied the world around him. And he saw ships, he saw ships going out from port. And he would watch the ships go out the port. He noticed that as the ships headed toward the horizon, they began to get smaller. And soon that mass that he saw began to shrink. And that mass began to eventually disappear, like it dropped off the earth. And so he began to think, maybe this earth is not flat after all. Maybe I just see it like that, but maybe, maybe because it's, and that would be what he would see all the time. And then when he looked at an eclipse, a lunar eclipse, he would see the moon and then something coming by it that's curved, the shadow of the earth. Sun, moon, earth, moon, shadow on the moon, and eclipse says, well, that's odd. There's a curve there. Now, it had to happen several times before you begin to realize, you know what, this is the earth casting a shadow. This, the earth must be round. And so 300 years after Isaiah, uh, the wrote that, some people began to think through about some of these things as they observed nature. You know, it's good to think. It's good to observe things and, and wonder about things. It's good to think like that. And he did that. Not saying everything he said was right, but at least on this, these things, uh, he thought maybe the earth is not flat, not a square, um, not a flat thing like a pie plate. Now, we go forward 2,000 years from the writing of Isaiah. Uh, we come to the consensus of scientists. We find out that they all believe the earth was flat because they all agreed with one another and they had no other way to think otherwise. By the way, it's very difficult for man to go against the consensus because of peer pressure. If you ever said something contrary to what the peers said, you're mocked. And the Bible says that the, the fear of man bring up a snare. When people laugh at you, make fun of you because you say something different from what they say, of course you're you're mocked as, you know, you're really not bright. You know, how can you say you're a scientist? How can you say you're a philosopher? You think that? The mockery that a man can feel, that pressure causes him to conform to the the majority, the majority thought that the earth was flat at one time, for a long time actually, and uh, yet the Bible says it's a circle. Well, that's kind of interesting, don't you think? Sure it is. Now, um, the Bible also tells us, oh, by the way, nowadays there are people who are called flat earthers. It's like we're going backwards. We're going backwards into the 14th century. Flat earthers. People now think the earth is flat. Incredible what people believe. Well, Again, for those factors. Uh, on the scientific front again, the Bible says some things, uh, like Job 26. Come over here, Job 26. The first book of the Bible, as far as time is concerned, but it's the book that is just before the book of Psalms. Job 26. These verses and these things should strengthen a person's faith in the Bible, not deter from it, not cause them to doubt it, but to say, oh, whoever said these things, who wrote down these things, the human author, wait a minute, it could have been the human author's insight. Someone must have been outside of time and space to be able to give insight to the right to write these things down. Job 26, verse number seven. He stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. You may have remembered as an elementary student in school, pictures, drawings of, Atlas holding up the earth or the earth 
resting on elephants or the earth resting on tortoises. Well, those are all imaginative uh, concepts of people who could not have any way to know that the earth is just there in space. It's floating, it's spinning, what's well, revolving around the sun. They would not have known that. In 1650, in 1650, at, by this time, science, astronomers, began to understand the earth is suspended, not on a tortoise's back, not the elephant's back, even though the elephants and tortoises probably hold a lot of weight. You probably hold about 10 Simones on their back. Uh, they were suspended on nothing. And they began to realize later on, way later on, that's gravitational force between the heavenly bodies all pull and push together, all pull together, keep everything in synchronization so that the earth is spinning while it's going around the sun once a year, all in perfect coordination. They didn't know that, but the Bible does say, Job did answer and say that he hangeth the earth upon nothing. He could have said a hundred different things about the earth, but he said it hangeth upon nothing. So it was not his wisdom. It was not his intellect. It was not his scientific mind. It was him saying something in which he had no real reason to say it, except it was the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. All right, now we also have something else about something else. Uh, when it comes to geology and the life sciences, do you know that nothing anymore is changing? Nothing anymore is changing. I'll use the word evolving. If evolution was ever true, you don't see evidence of things ever evolving anymore or things changing as far as species are concerned. Look at Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. This is kind of interesting. These are verses that help people bridge from, I don't believe the Bible because it's make-believe, to really, the Bible says that? Really? There's scientific truth to the Bible? No kidding. Genesis chapter 2. We know from chapter 1 that God said he created everything in six number of days and it was good, it was good, and so on. In chapter 2, a little bit more about the details of creation. And then in chapter 2, he says, verse number 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were, the next word is, finished. We would say in Hawaii, P-A-U. Not P-E-W, but not, and not, oh, pow, oh, pow, but pew. Like, now this is finished, it's done. And the work is completed. The heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them, meaning the creation week is done. There's no more creating by the creator. He's done creating. So when you look at the universe, you look at life on earth, you look at the things of this earth, there's no more change, no more creation of something new anymore. It's all done. Once in that week, it's all over. And so there's no more changes. Nature is complete. And there's no evidence of things one quarter changing into something else. Oh, look, that, that horse is one half. Oh, look, that bird is one half bird. And now it's really evolving into a dinosaur. You know, they say that. Oh, no, no, look at that. Look at that. That is three quarters evolving from this. Now, and now pretty soon, pretty soon it's going to be now this. There's none of that going on. There's none of that going on. No change. I was talking to Bobby yesterday. He said, oh, there's a certain kind of monkey. It looks like a man. He said, it's got arms like a man, the torso of a man, the face of a man, the legs of a man. It looks like a man, upright man, a monkey. What's the name? Oh, gee, I don't know. I forgot. I said, I wish you'd remember. I can look it up. But I think I've seen this picture of this. looks like a drawing or a photo or something. But this monkey looks like, looks like a real dark dark man really eerie bizarre looking but it's a monkey well no matter how that monkey looks that is not the evolutionary process in progress it's just a monkey you know monkeys by the way are very mean you know that monkeys are very mean chimpanzees are very mean watch them look at look they're very mean they'll grab the little baby like this and just throw them around drag them around slap them around if somebody gives the, the little baby monkey a grape and try to eat it. The mother monkey just grabbed it out of his hands to eat it himself, herself. They're very mean. They'll throw them around down the stairs and, you know, like that, drag them around like, they're just mean. But I guess that's their nature. And maybe they don't think that it's mean. Likely not. Well, you don't see evolution changes or any kind of changing, any big jumps. There's no gaps being bridged anymore. 
because it never happened. We created bingo, bango, instantly, just like that, because God did that. Now, uh, let's go to another thing. The Bible talks about thy word is truth. And Peter says, all things that pertain to life, we can derive and get from the Bible in principle or in direct statement. Uh, when it comes to medicine, when it comes to medicine, oh, this one is really interesting, medicine. Uh, medicine. Leviticus. Leviticus. Look at Leviticus chapter 15. Leviticus chapter 15 is a difficult book to read because it does not apply to you directly. It's about the Levites. It's about Levitical practices, things that pertain to the Levites, not to the Christian. Very difficult book to go through, but you got to read it. It's part of the Bible. Leviticus chapter 15. Talking about leprosy, talking about things that the body goes through, problems and discharges and strange things that happen to the human body and uh, laws of uncleanness and how to deal with a person's uncleanness. Leviticus 15 and come down to verse number 13. And when he that hath an issue is cleansed of his issue, that he shall number to himself seven days for his cleansing and wash his clothes and bathe his flesh in, in, not a tub, in running water. That sure sounds like water that's moving. It sure sounds like an old-fashioned shower to me. In running water and shall be clean. Now, before, before, Doctors learned about hygiene and about transference of germs and bacteria. There was, in 1845, Encyclopedia Britannica said in 1845, a young doctor in Vienna, a Dr. Weiss, W-E-I-S, noticed in hospitals that the rate of death among mothers giving birth in the hospitals was 30% was, was 30% they died after childbirth he was shocked at the high rate of death among mothers dying after birth well he kept on watching trying to figure out what was going on what is the problem what is the problem here we're doctors what is the problem he kept on watching and he realized as he observed the hospital's practices he noticed that doctors would examine the bodies of patients who had just died touching it, pushing, probing, turning, looking at things. And then they would go to the next ward and straight to where they would examine expected mothers. What did they transfer to an expected mother? Well, they did not know about microscopic diseases. It was unknown to them. And so they would pass on germs and bacteria from a dead person to mother when he's demanded that they would wash you know we say scrub up they say scrub okay come scrub up before you go to surgery isn't that right Carmen you wash your hands with soap da, 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 and then they put the gloves on you okay well that's to keep your hands clean free from germs and any kind of possible thing so you wash it off down the running water well when they did that they didn't know when they did that the mortality rate immediately dropped down to 2%. 30% down to 2% by one practice of washing hands and running water. Washing all this stuff down, 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 down. Well, the Bible talks about making someone clean of any kind of, some foul thing with his body. Running water. That was said in the book of Leviticus. That was said many centuries ago. And so, the Bible said that. And then, Clothes bathed in the flesh. So 3,000 years, 3,000 years uh, BC, written, God gave them instructions. God gave Moses instructions to pass on to the Levites, and uh, it helped them not catch disease. Very interesting. When speaking about medicine, what about the blood? Leviticus, you're in Leviticus, turn to chapter 17. Leviticus. 
chapter 17. I think we're familiar with this reference. Leviticus 17. Verse number 11. Back up to verse 10. And whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn among you that eateth any manner of blood, I will even set my... Now, Job, what it says, look at that eating blood as blood transfusion. So they are against blood transfusion. Several decades ago down in Makiki, in Makiki, Canal Street, and the one that runs to the mountain is um, uh, Pi'ikoi. At that corner, there was a bike race on a Sunday. I had gone to pick up someone to church that one Sunday, and uh, there was an accident. There was a tourist bus had run into a biker during some kind of competition. It was all bikers, and knocked the guy over, and uh, he had to have uh, medical attention. And the story goes on that he refused to get a blood transfusion because he was a Jehovah's Witness. And the man died eventually because in their theology, you don't get a blood transfusion because of a verse like this. It doesn't say... Transfusion, there's a mosquito flying around me. It's about drinking or eating the blood. Dangerous to not read the Bible carefully. I will even set my face against that soul that eateth blood and will cut him off from among his people. Verse 11, for the life of the flesh, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Now that alone, now there's more to what this blood is about here in this chapter, but that statement alone, the life of the flesh and the blood is so everyday in modern medicine proven. Whenever you go to your PCP for a checkup, sometimes they say, okay, go down and get uh, your blood draw. And then I'll look at that with you when you come in for your office visit or your video visit. And we'll talk about what the blood review is about your body. Do you know, and of course, some of you know this, that you can tell a lot about your health by your blood. By your blood, how your blood is, it tells what's on the inside of you. And you might look good on the outside, but the blood that's going through your veins, pumped from your heart, Throughout your body, the blood tells read the story of your health. And uh, they didn't know it back then. But uh, it tells you about your kidneys, your liver, your thyroid, your heart. It reveals if you have cancer, diabetes, many other things. It can tell just by the blood. The blood, it is really your life's blood. And so, before, from now, go back 224 years. Our first president, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> well, it wasn't. It wasn't Abraham Lincoln. I think it was John F. Kennedy. Pardon me, I go to public school. And it wasn't them either. Mr. George Washington got very sick one day. Different accounts about this, but he was very sick. According to this source, he got very sick. And the doctors at that time, 224 years ago at that time, believed that he had bad blood so they drew blood out of him they were doing bloodletting taking out the bad blood through leeches that's gross draining out bad blood they took out from mr george washington 80 ounces 80 ounces of blood that's about uh 40 of an adult's blood supply volume in 12 hours 40 40 percent of his blood was taken over 12. No wonder he got really sick. They took, but they thought at the time, this is medical practice, accept this standard for the day. This is what they did. The Bible does say that the life of the flesh and blood, we know now, we know now, not now today, but going back, of course, a little bit. We know now that you need to have blood transfusions. You need to have your blood replenished, the right kind of blood. And so not, not take out your blood. You need to resupply, replenish your blood. And so, and then many different kinds of things affect the quality of your blood. White blood cells, red blood cells, and everything else too. So if you want healthy red blood, eat a lot of beets. That is just a joke, which nowadays, this church does not have any humor. My jokes are just falling flat. And if you want to have healthy white blood cells, eat white vanilla ice cream that's true all right so on the medical front the Bible does talk about the life of fishes in the blood and of course our modern medicine thank God for good medicine good doctors really uh, 
Sick people need blood transfusions rather than having it let out of their bodies. All right? The life of the flesh is in the blood. Said that 3,000 years ago, and only recently doctors have caught up to the Bible. They may not credit the Bible, but the Bible said it first. One more in Leviticus. Leviticus 13, Leviticus 13, verse 46. 1346. You have a Bible in your lap that is supernatural. It's not just written by white men with long white beards that can't walk. Leviticus 13:46. All the days wherein the plague shall be in him, he shall be defiled. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone. Notice. The man who is defiled, he has some kind of disease. He is unclean. He is declared unclean. He shall dwell alone. Without the camp shall his habitation be. This man who has a communicable disease should not be among people as if he's not diseased. Separate him from the camp. Remove him. Isolate him. What do we call this today? When you isolate someone who's got a communicable disease. Quarantine. Quarantine, quarantine him. Well, that was from Leviticus. And uh, the Black Death of the 14th century killed, estimated, about 70 million people. People who got the disease were living with their families and relatives in the same place, cramped, crowded, and it just passed it on to people and it just spread. 70 million people died because there was no quarantine. They did not know that. No separation, the sick from the healthy. Whole families and relatives and communities fell sick. Tragedy. So the laws of quarantine were not really practiced until the 17th century. Therefore, the Bible said it already. It was a practice in the Bible. How did the Jews know this? God just said, do this, do this, do this. Moses says, God said, do this, do this, do this. What? Moses, this doesn't make any sense. No, this is what God told me to tell you, so do this. Separate this man from the camp, from people, if he's got this um, uncleanness. Separate him until he is proven to be clean again. And so he didn't know that. Moses was not a doctor. And then quickly, there's a, a man here who was in the Civil War in the Navy working for the Confederacy or serving the Confederacy. And he read Psalm 8.8, which talks about the paths in the sea. The paths in the sea. So he said to himself, I'm going to find these paths in the sea, whatever they are. If there's a path, he's thinking road. He's thinking a, a, a path, like a literal path. And so, but it's in the sea. The fishes go in the path of the sea. So this man in the Civil War says, I'm going to go find these paths in the sea. He's in the Navy. And so he goes and he finds it. He discovered what is currently called, or modern uh, oceanography, he calls it uh, warm and cold continental currents. He didn't know that at the time. He read it in Psalm chapter. He says, I'm going to go find it. And his, um, his name is Matthew Maury, M-A-U-R-Y, and nicknamed Pathfinder of the Seas, wrote a textbook, and he's considered the modern, uh, the founder of modern oceanography. Found that verse in the Bible, Psalm 8-8. Well, that's pretty interesting. Um, now, those are some of the things that you find in the Bible, which just reinforces to us that the Bible is not just a mandate book Thy word is truth. It pertains to all things in life. Many of the benefits that we have from people very smart and study and examine and, and um, uh, evaluate things, uh, they come to the conclusion, you know, if the Bible said this, maybe it's true, and they would try it. Other people did something, later on they found out, hey, that was in the Bible. Now what is this all about? What is the conclusion of this? There's probably another, another 15 verses that touches on science and also medicine, but what does the conclusion, what is the conclusion we should come to? Well, it means the Bible is accurate. It's ahead of its time. Uh, it's not written just by man because they could not know these things 3,000 years ago, 1,000 years ago, 700 years ago. Um, so what is this all about? What does it come down? It comes down to that there is a God who revealed himself and revealed things to man through the scriptures. And the scriptures, it leads to the benefit of mankind, health-wise and otherwise. It also leads eventually to knowing God personally, 
knowing the Son of God personally, and having a relationship with God personally through Jesus Christ eventually. It's sequential. It is not just a bunch of information or facts. Amen. It is to lead someone to have a personal relationship with God through Christ. Right. And so the unseen world, another lesson you find, the unseen world is very real, and the naked eye cannot see it, but it's there nonetheless. Just like those paths in the seas are there. Just like a lot of things are unseen to the naked eye. We don't understand it, we don't see it, but uh, the Bible does say, there's a reason for all these things that you find in the Bible. These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. Not just good health, not medical attention, all good on this, they're all helpful, but the real health is the spiritual health that comes from knowing God through Christ in the Bible. So if the Bible's not true, well, we're in really bad shape. If the Bible is true, a lot of hope for us. All right. Thank you, Lord, for the Bible. We are just touching the surface of how we discovered so many uh, scientific things and medical truth and uh, no way that a man 3,000, 2,000 years ago could know these things. They had to have had some divine input. And we know who that divine person was that gave input as the Holy Ghost. And we pray that these things lead us to the conclusion that you want us to know you. You want people to know you from the Bible. And, and, and so we pray that these things are helped to bridge from unbelief to belief. Help us to be alert, to use some of these things to explain to people, to help them to see that they can trust what the Bible says about salvation through Christ. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen.